0: Hi, I'm Kevin Alves with Big Talk Podcasts. I believe that everyone needs to treat themselves for a job well done. Whether it's surviving a workday jam-packed with mind-numbing meetings, or that five-mile bike ride down the lake with your friends, nothing says, I fucking crushed this like a delicious cold beer. And there's no finer place to treat yourself than Chicago's northernmost taproom, Howard Street Brewing. Just steps from the Howard Street Red Line, Howard Street Brewing offers a cozy 37 seat taproom that's perfect for catching up with old friends or making some new ones. And don't let their one barrel system fool you, it's perfectly pumping out a rotating menu of amazing beers like Rogers Proud Pale Ale, the Better Late Than Never Pilsner, and the This Is What Happens, Larry, Belgian Saison. Not sure what to try? Get a flight, try them all. Like that beer and want some for the after party? Grab a few growlers for the road. You want some sweet merch with your beers? They've got hats and t-shirts ready for you too. So if you're in Chicago or planning a trip to Chicago, be sure to check out Howard Street Brewing. Open Tuesday through Sunday. No cash, cards only. Oh, and did I mention that there's entertainment every Tuesday night and trivia every Wednesday night? Oh, 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 and did I mention that you can have food from all the local spots delivered right to your table? Oh, 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 and did I mention that they're pet friendly? This place is the shit. So, check out Howard Street Brewing, located at 1617 West Howard Street in Chicago, and at HowardStreetBrewing.com. Be sure to tell them Big Talk sent you. Welcome to Based on a True Story, where Chicago's best writers and storytellers take their true personal stories and adapt them into wild tales of fiction. Recorded live the fourth Tuesday of every month at Howard Street Brewing, located at 1617 West Howard Street in Chicago. This first story comes from actor, writer, director, and filmmaker, Alberto Mendoza. Great, so everybody can hear me really
1: well. Let me start with an apology to all of you, okay? (laughs) I read the prompt of this show. I understand it based on a true story, okay? However, (laughs) I figure I would just tell you a story that's 100% true, which is exactly what you say when your story is 100% true, all right? Every time I try to tell this story to other people, because it went so perfectly well, with absolutely no regrets for any of my decisions. They don't believe me. So I figure tonight's the night that I'm just gonna retire this story, share it with all of you, all right? So this is when I took two hits of acid before a Tinder date, and everything went exactly as I had planned it. (laughs) Now, you may be asking why on earth would you ever go on a Tinder date? I will tell you. (laughs) I was looking for love, right? And just like everyone else, when you are searching for just a really small glimmer of hope in love and humanity, Tinder is the place that you go. (laughs) Duh, so obviously, I was on Tinder. But let me tell you something about myself. I'm deep, all right? I don't look for just the surface level things in life, and I apply that to my swiping, right? Now, I understand Tinder has a reputation that maybe is just a wee bit, tiny bit, shallow and vain. But I thought about that. <laughs> So I thought, listen, you're looking for something real. You're looking for something grounded. Maybe, just maybe, if you give yourself a chance, this could be the person you spend the rest of your life with. So definitely take those two hits of acid. (laughs) And make sure that they hit when you are on a crowded train. And no, I was not 45 minutes late (laughs) as I was struggling to remember which crawling building I had decided was the fucking restaurant that we were gonna go to. No, no, in fact, I was early. So, so early, so early you could say I didn't know how time worked anymore. And let me tell you about that date. Oh my God! All of the vivid details I have about that date. All of the coherent conversation that we had. Uh, you know that. You know that thing. You know that thing that happens when I take too much acid, where the thought the thought will start in my head, but by the time it gets to my mouth, I'm halfway through that point. Yeah, well, that didn't happen, all right? Okay, there was no confusion as to why I said, let's go to a restaurant and have dinner, yet I show up with no appetite at all and crying. No, there was no confusion about any of that. We had riveting conversation. We got close, we talked about art, philosophy, sociology, all of the good things that bring people close together, that is connection, right? So, I have to admit something. I was brave enough to tell my date telepathically from the bathroom as I stared at my reflection in the mirror, which I absolutely recommend. I told her the moment that I realized what fucking privilege I have that as a man, I can take two hits of acid, go on a date with a complete stranger in a neighborhood I do not know, and my biggest concern is how good of a story it's going to be. And I know for a fact that she heard me because when I emerged from the bathroom, she wasn't there. Because she had to rush right out to let all of her friends know how well-adjusted her date was. And yes, she returned every one of my messages. Do not ask me any more about this story. Thank you so much, have a good night, everyone.
0: This next story comes from actor, writer, and the person speaking to you right now, Kevin Alvis. This is the story of how I was conceived. (laughs) Hashtag Hashtag boats. It was 1974 in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, and there wasn't a whole lot to do on the Gulf Coast at that time. This is about 20 years before the casinos would push out the shrimping industry to make way for their bright lights and loose slots. (laughs) It was a simpler time, a time where you could get hurt while you were playing and no one would contact social services. (laughs) Seat belts were an option that you never chose because safety was for babies. It was a time when you made your own adventures. And if you were from Mississippi, that means one of those adventures... Was going to the creek. That's right, Bluff Creek, to be exact. Going to the creek was fucking great, but the problem was is that people got hurt all the time because the creek is fucking dangerous. <laughs> Rocks, gators, strong currents—they could all get you at any time. So, in help to order, to in in order to help curb the amount of injuries and make everything safer for everyone, the county that owned that area sectioned off part of the creek and made it a water park, (laughs) meaning it had some shallow parts for the kids to play in, but was still deep enough that no one would die when they came off the metal slide that was built for a a playground that they installed, which then made it a water park. (laughs) They also had some of those old camping grills, you know, the ones at campsites that was just a rusty metal box on a pole, you know, they had some of those um so people could come out and picnic and stuff they also had a, a volleyball court that was just like red hard dirt and rocks and it was all uneven but it was over there and there was some poles where a net was so you could imagine where the ball was going so that was bluff creek But despite it being a turd of a death trap, people fucking loved it, all right? It was great for the family reunions. It was great for those big birthday parties. It was great for just a good old-fashioned family swim day and picnic. And that's exactly why my parents were there. My dad had been working a lot and finally got some time off, and he decided that they needed a day at the creek, all right? It was a welcomed sunny day after a huge, huge storm unexpectedly swept through the area the night before. High winds brought down tree branches, buckets of rain fell from the sky, and there was even some reports of lightning that looked like fire. But not even this could spoil Creek Day. Wet ground be damned! They got there early enough to get their favorite spot close to the parking lot and upwind of the porta potties. <laughs> the day was beautiful. Other than my mom getting stung by something in the water, it was damn near perfect. Good sandwiches, good swimming, good day. It was about 6 p.m. when they returned home, sunburned and weary. They showered, ate, and turned in early. They passed right out from creek exhaustion. Thought you might like that one. My mom woke up early the next morning to a dull pain in her thigh. It was in the spot where she got stung the day before. It wasn't a terrible pain, but it didn't feel that good, and the area was looking a little swollen. So she called her doctor, Dr. Rubenstein, and got an appointment for that afternoon. That part is actually very true, Dr. Rubenstein. <laughs> I wasn't being an asshole. That was my family doctor growing up. Uh, that part's true, Dr. Rubenstein. All right. So, I went to school with this kid. Um, So she called Dr. Rubenstein, true, real person, and got an appointment for that afternoon to get it checked out. Well, by the time of her appointment, the swelling had gone down, but the pain had gotten worse. And not only worse, but it seemed to be traveling. It didn't hurt anymore where she got stung, but now the pain was like an inch or so higher and like deeper into her leg and just throbbing into the muscle. It was becoming unbearable. Dr. Rubenstein was perplexed. Without knowing what stung her, he wasn't quite sure what to do. So he scheduled some x-rays for the following morning, took some pictures of the area where she was stung, and he filled a prescription for some pain pills Those should help get her through the night. He was going to make a few calls to see what he could find out, if he could find out any more information about the situation she had. So mom went home and took her meds. They managed to dull the pain long enough for her to fall asleep. It was the phone ringing that jolted her awake, but it was the searing pain that snapped her body into reality. It was higher now, deeper in her abdomen. It felt like a hand made of white-hot needles was squeezing her organs tighter and tighter with every breath. As she reached for the pain meds, my dad rushed into the room. That was a doctor! We have to go now! Now! And the car squealed to a stop in front of the emergency room, they they were met by Dr. Rubenstein, real Dr. M.D., Dr. Rubenstein, several other doctors that they didn't know, two guys in black suits, and two armed soldiers. My mom was whisked away by the doctors and the soldiers, my dad was taken to another room with the suits. Sit down, Mr. Alvis. What's going on? Where are you taking her, he said. She's in good hands, Mr. Alvis, but she is in danger. Danger? What do you mean, danger? (laughs) Two nights ago, that storm that came through the area wasn't natural. It was caused by an anomaly that entered our atmosphere and broke apart somewhere over this area. We've not been able to locate any pieces of whatever it was. But what we do know is that your wife is the third person who was at Bluff Creek the day after that storm that was reported the same symptoms, and the first two are both dead. Dead? My dad said, how? Whatever that thing was, it brought with it something new. It seems to burrow under the skin and will work its way to, of all places, the gallbladder. It then attaches itself and starts feeding off the bile that your gallbladder produces. Once it reaches full incubation, it hatches and kills the host. We were too late and couldn't save the first two hosts, and now we're searching for those creatures. But we need to get this one out of your wife before it hatches so we can save her life and hopefully learn more about these disgusting bastards so we can stop them. We will have to remove her gallbladder in the process, though. She'll live, but she may never be able to process certain fats the same again. (laughs) Can I see her? My dad asked. They should be finishing up now. You can see her through their viewing window. It was a very quick procedure. (laughs) Real doctor, Dr. Rubenstein, was just finishing up with my mom when my dad walked up to the window On a small table next to her laid a green and black insect-like shell that was about the size of a grapefruit. The other doctors stood around the table discussing their findings. The two soldiers stood by the door. As real Dr. Rubenstein walked by the window, my dad mouthed, is she going to be okay? And he responded with a head nod and a big thumbs up. (laughs) My dad was relieved. He looked at my mom on the table and smiled. A sharp sound caught my dad's attention after that and he turned his focus back to the doctors at the table. In a blink, the head of one of the doctors exploded. Before anybody could react, two more doctors, sing sing, decapitated. The fourth doctor got a few feet, a few feet away from the table for sing he went down. Dad looked back at the table and there it stood. It looked like a millipede-scorpion hybrid that had grown somehow to the size of a fucking tiger. It shot both claws forward and grabbed the soldiers. They screamed in agony as their bones, every bone in their body, started being snapped. The creature then whipped around and sent the mangled body sailing towards the viewing window while its tail swung around and threw my mom, still unconscious, and Dr. Rubenstein, now unconscious, to the floor. As the soldiers' bodies crashed through the window, my dad ducked down just in time to be missed from being hit, but the two black suits behind him, boom, were knocked unconscious. In a flash, my dad's nam instincts kicked in. He grabbed the gun from one of the black suits' shoulder holster and he leapt through the broken viewing window. The creature had turned its focus on the unconscious bodies of real Dr. Rubenstein and my mom. It stood over her, snarling, its mouth dripping with yellow gallbladder bile. It reared its head back, ready to strike and kill my mom as it thrust its sucker mouth with razor twith- twith- teeth towards my helpless and still unconscious mom. My dad slid under the creature and plugged its mouth with the barrel of a gun. In shock, the creature froze in utter confusion. Looks like you need more lead in your diet, you sucking motherfucker. The creature's pupils dilated. <laughs> it was over. The creature was dead, and my parents were safe, along with real Dr. Rubenstein. The place was quarantined, and my dad questioned. The suits said they would cover everything up, and since my dad had held top secret clearance back in Nam, and he saved the day, they wouldn't need to erase their memories, but they did threaten their lives and all the lives of everyone they know that if they said anything, you know, they'd kill them and stuff, but so the only people that know anything about this to this day are my mom, my dad, and real Dr. Rubenstein. After a few days of recovering in the hospital, my mom was sent home with her care instructions. She was to come back in four weeks so the doctor could evaluate her recovery progress. Four weeks later, my mom sees Dr. Rubenstein as ordered. He was impressed with how well she was healing after such a traumatic ordeal. X-rays, exams, and blood work all showed that she was completely healthy and on track for her recovery. But there is one thing, Miss Alvis, real Dr. Rubenstein said. Looking at your blood work here, I see something that's changed since that ill-fated night of terror and nightmares. After everything you've been through, after everything you survived, could you at all possibly be pregnant? (laughs) And my mom looked at real Dr. Rubenstein and said, well, you told me to only stay away from fried foods. And that's our show, ladies and gentlemen! If you're interested in performing, send us an email at bigtalkpodcast at gmail.com or contact us through our website at bigtalkchicago.com. And be sure to join us the fourth Tuesday of every month for a live recording at Howard Street Brewing at 1617 West Howard Street in Chicago. Blah,
1: blah, blah. Big talk.